Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on CityCast Madison. It's Thursday, so of course, we're dishing on Madison's food scene. A few times a year, the Hmong Institute does an egg roll fundraiser. It's one of Madison's best kept secrets, the time for stocking up on local handmade egg rolls. There's one happening right now, and it's quite the tasty affair. Wisconsin's home to the third biggest Hmong population in the U.S., and the Institute works to preserve and promote Hmong heritage for future generations. Producer Molly Stentz sat down with Mai Zong Bu of the Hmong Institute to learn the secret of a good role and what goes into this labor of love. It's Thursday, August 10th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Hello, Mai Zong Vu. Hello. Thank you for having me. What's the secret to making a good egg roll? Sure. The secret is a lot of TLC, tender loving care, in the process, just taking time, good ingredients. So the story that I'll take you back is we used to own a restaurant called Case of Asia many years ago. And after we um, decided to let go, because we now have three children and juggling three small children in a restaurant, you know, it's quite challenging. And so we let it go and we really miss our customer and our customer also miss us. So one way to Stay in touch with our customer and also share the great taste of our egg roll from Taste of Asia is to do a good cost for the Hmong Institute. And that is how the egg roll fundraiser was born. You make a couple different kinds. Tell me what's in them. So the Hmong egg roll one is pork, onion, carrots, bean threads, cabbage, and then just, you know, salt, black pepper, and so forth. And then we made the vegetarian one a Thai style, where it's curry inside with bamboo shoots, cabbage, onion, carrots, and curry. Those are the two different kinds of egg rolls that we make. So we also added on to our fundraiser is the fried rice. Oh, wow. And is that by the court? Yes, small or large. And then the other piece that's very popular with our A-Row fundraiser is our homemade hot sauce. Yes. Yes. And you have a few different kinds of that, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So we do the spicy hot sauce with cilantro, lime, and so forth, or the homemade sweet sour sauce, which is a combination of pineapple sauce, and water with sugar. 
I imagine this is a whole lot of work to do. How long does it, like, how many do you make and how long does it take? You know, I love cooking for a large number of people. And I always say it's easier to make a large volume than making a smaller volume. So we usually we get about maybe 500 to 1,000 egg rolls. So we do that preparation a couple of days ahead where, you know, you get your veggie ready, you get your egg roll wrapper ready, you mix them the night before, and then on that day, you just deep fry them and get them ready for people to come and pick it up. This is a event that our women looks forward to, to be together and cook together. So I'm there doing the ingredients and all that. But the process is very fun because we have a lot of women who love to, you know, be helpful and they come and they wrap and and deep fry and all of that. It's very social. Yeah. It's very communal project, more or less. Yeah. And once you get into it, like, I feel that way. I've made raviolis and it's like, wow, you know, you go through all that, like staging, (laughs) prepping, getting everything where you're like, I want to make a lot. I want to make it (laughs) last. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I always say from one of my experience doing a fundraiser for the Feet Kitchen when many years ago when we were thinking of that concept and then actually get get it off, we did a fundraiser among Agro for the Feet Kitchen where the Hmong women and the Caucasian women worked together. And in the beginning, you know, you could tell a Caucasian woman is thinking, oh, my God, they're so disorganized. What are they doing? You know, because, like, the process for us is you let people jump in at their pace, right? Whereas for other people, they schedule everything to the hour. <laughs> and so I could tell there was some thinking, like, oh, well, you know, but, but then at the end of the process, the Caucasian women were so proud and so happy to be part of it because now they can see how the process works and the ending product. It's really nice. When it's rolling time, then you get into the assembly line of, okay, you put this in here and then I roll. And then, you know, you put it away, right? So that's when the Caucasian women can jump in and, and be part of it. But in the preparation of it, it's like, you know, people come in and, and it's a community thing. So then they come in, they do what they can, yeah, right? Everyone pitches in. So do you, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping in. I'm inviting myself. Do you teach classes? I mean, do you offer this? I imagine there would be a lot of people that would like to learn. Yes, there have been a lot. And so we are um, planning for teaching classes in the future. We just need to find a good partner with a big space that has all these fancy mirror and all of this. So all of that are yet to be coordinated and formed up. But yeah, if anybody wants to team up with us and loan us the fancy kitchen, you know, that would be great. Otherwise, yeah, we'll use our little kitchen that we have here at the Long Institute. I mean, I hear Top Chef is coming. So <laughs> to film in Madison, <laughs> this could be a great episode. <laughs> yes, there would be. Uh-huh. Okay, so people can order any amount and they place the orders on your through your website and then there is a specific date and time that they can come pick them up? Yes. So this year we change it to only three times a year. 
So the second time would be this coming Friday, August 11. So they would place the order, send in the order form with their payment by the 11. And then they would come pick up the order on August 23rd. For people who may not make it, we will make it present to them and freeze the egg roll for them. They can pick up the next day. Yeah, I hear they freeze really well. So you can order like a big batch. And that's what I love about this is that, it, you know, it's not just like, <laughs> oh, you're going to run out and grab some for today. It's like you can really stock up, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's why it's such a treat for, you know, busy people who want good appetizers for their guests doing, you know, holiday events or special occasion, whether it's birthday or anniversary or just a picnic. So they can order a whole bunch and freeze it and then reheat it when they're ready to use them. What's the best way to reheat them? What do you recommend? Depending on the oven temperature that you have, but in the general rule of thumb, you can do a low heat of about 300 for 15, 20 minutes. Just check regularly, check and see if it's nice and golden brown, crispy, usually pretty easy to tell. Okay, so people come and they pick up their orders at your location, and you're on Femrite Drive, right now? Correct. Okay, near Stoughton Road. Yep. Mm-hmm. And all of this is benefiting the programs of the Hmong Institute. What are some of the things that it that it makes possible? So, as a nonprofit, we operate on grants, and grants are very, you know, strong and guidelines of what we can do and what we can't do. And so, the fundraising goes to help with things that we can do within the grant, such as field trips. We take the elders on a monthly basis to go on field trips, and we need transportation. We need, you know, to feed them. We need to pay their emissions. It also helps our women's support group. We have a weekly women's support group that is a home away from home for them in the evening where every Monday they come in for, you know, two and a half hours and, you know, strengthening their relationship, learning a new skill set, and then we take them out on field trip as well. So all of these fundraising goals to support all of these activities that we do not have grant money for. Gotcha. As a nonprofit, it's, yeah, it's an endless, endless, <laughs> imagine, staying afloat. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, discretionary funding doesn't come easily from grants. So we have to find ways to get those discretionary grants for us to use as we need to in order to provide culturally competent services for our elders and our women and our youth. Yes. You also run a food pantry, as well to offer food that people actually want to eat, right? As opposed to what they might be able to get from other food pantries that have, you know, maybe cheese or kind of highly processed Western foods. Yes. So we did not mean to do the work of the pantry. We know there's a lot of great pantry in Dane County and they're doing a wonderful job. 
Um, however, the through is not culture relevant, like you said. And so for me, working in the system for many years, I've seen many things that could be changed, and that includes food waste. You know, if you get canned goods to our family, you give cheese to them, you give them beautiful beads, they ended up in a dumpster. And it saddened my heart. And so during the pandemic, I was going crazy because I couldn't help anyone because we're all like hibernating and, and all of this. So for my own mental health, we started a food pantry for our elders who, you know, do not feel safe to go and don't have transportation and all of these. So we started doing the advocacy with our local food pantry, which we started with Second Harvest, and really advocate for the right kind of food for our elders and reduce, you know, the waste that we in our communities don't use. And, and the one thing I always say is when People are very modest and very respectful. They will not say no to you, right? When you bring them a box of food, but then when you leave, it goes to the dumpster. And that's a piece of advocacy where we're saying other people could use this food. It's just not the people that you brought it to because they don't eat pasta. They don't eat, you know, all of the things that we have that's not relevant to them. And so we started doing that for our elder. And then the next thing, a couple of months later, the community's like, what about <laughs> us? You know, we wanted to do, you know. And so we opened up a food care box where we get the food, bring volunteer in, assemble the box in the morning. And then in the afternoon, the car drives up in the trunk. We put it in there trunk. And so we started doing that and then the uh, list just goes on. So we were up to like 400 food boxes and we're like, okay, we you know, we don't have the capacity. So we've been struggling with that, but we continue to do it. And so now we are taking a break in the summer because we don't have the freezer space and cooler. So we will resume in October, but we still do the food box for our clients here at the Monk Institute where, you know, it's smaller scale, right? 150 is not like 400 <laughs> boxes. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah. So the, the advocacy that we've been doing in the culture relevant food topic is giving me that is on season. So that way, A, if the seasoning is not to their liking, they may not eat it. B, you can only eat it one time because it's already seasoned. So you give them raw meat that's unseasoned and family size are larger. They can portion size it and make it last, right? Yes. What are some other foods that people really appreciate? They really appreciate the Hmong food. So we were able to also, through our grant from Second Harvest and the county in the last few years, also appreciate Hmong sausage, Hmong beef jerky, ground pork. You know, the ground pork that we have for the Hmong community is not as fine. It's a little bit, you know, 
figures. So the texture is different. So we're able to really, you know, get them these meat that really not just nutritional value, but also cultural value to the cooking. When we need more chicken and we don't get them from second harvest, we buy them from UW provision locally here. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so the fundraisers that you do three times a year now support all of this programming, support all of the work that you do every day at the Hmong Institute. Yeah. So we appreciate those who have been supporting us. And it, I always say it's great to entertain your guests with delicious egg roll. And anyone has an tisser egg roll, give it a try. They make good fun. I can definitely vouch for that. Mai Zhang Vu, thank you so much for telling me about your efforts and for your work. Well, thank you. That's Mai Zhang Vu, former board president and current COO of the Hmong Institute. If you want to get some egg rolls, the sales deadline is this Friday, August 11th. We'll toss a link to the order form in our show notes. And you might want to note, you will pick up those egg rolls later this month. Before we get to the news, we have a special sponsored message about an event coming up in September. Hey, project managers, lean in. Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm a content director here at CityCast, and I'm pleased to share the following interview with the sponsor of this episode, Scrum Day 2023. Joining me is Mary Iqbal. She's a leading Scrum trainer with Scrum.org and the founder of Rebel Scrum. This whole Scrum Day conference was her idea. Mary, welcome to CityCast Madison. Thank you so much for having me. So Scrum Day 2023 is coming up on September 14th, and it's bringing in thought leaders and agile experts from around the country here to Madison. Why is Madison the perfect place for Scrum Day 2023? So first off, Madison is just a beautiful city. I love living here. It's got a lot of great things to offer. But not only that, Madison is actually a technology leader. A lot of people don't realize that in 2020, the country's biggest technology migration actually took place in Madison, Wisconsin, according to LinkedIn data. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. So we've got a lot of technology here in Madison, and it's growing. And so I think it makes a lot of sense to have a Scrum Day conference here. Scrum is a way of organizing teams, and it's most often used with technology teams. So there's a lot of synergy between Madison, between Scrum and technology. I'm somewhat new to Scrum, but from what I understand, this is basically a way for teams to get projects done together better, like they're breaking what they're up to into smaller parts. Can you explain it? Well, that's actually a really great explanation. So Scrum is exactly what you said. It's all about delivering value sooner. And the way you deliver value sooner is to break it up into smaller deliverables and work together with a small cross-functional team that are given goals, not tasks. And we trust them to get the job done. Okay, but to do an entire conference all about Scrum, how did you get that idea? So the real truth is I went to a conference a number of years ago and it was fantastic, but I also thought, you know, I can do this. And not only can I do this, I can do this better. I want to bring together the people that I want to hear from, the people that have the best ideas. And I've always loved ideas because ideas are what change the world, especially with Scrum, because I do believe that Scrum makes the world a better place because it empowers the team, the people who are doing the work decide how to achieve their work. When we go to work each day, I think all of us, we want to do a good job, right? 
And we want the impediments that are in our way to be removed so that we can do a good job. So Scrum really empowers teams to say, okay, you control your work, right? Here's the goal. You decide how you're going to work together to do that thing. That's what I love about Scrum and why do a conference. So I've always believed in the power of ideas, ideas to change the world. And especially when you do something like Scrum, you really need to understand the why behind what you're doing. That's why we're bringing together the best thought leaders that can help articulate that in a very concise way. All right. So who can we expect? Who are some of the exciting guests coming out? We actually have Stanford University coming out, and they're going to be talking about their own human resources and shared services, agile transformation. So I think that's going to be fascinating. We also have the CEO of Scrum.org. So Scrum.org is the leading certification provider for Scrum. And we have the CEO, Dave West, is coming out. We've got my personal favorite authors, Todd Miller, Ryan Ripley, the authors of Fixing Your Scrum. We've got all the speakers that I want to hear from, the best ideas, the best talkers, the best conversations. And actually what I'm looking forward to most about this conference is one of our keynotes, actually our morning keynote, is not going to be a keynote. It's going to be an activity because Scrum is all about empowering teams, right? And teams are made of people. So it's not going to be your standard keynote. It's going to be an activity that brings out the best in the teams, the people that are there at the conference. Because at the end of the day, that's who delivers value is the people. And getting those ideas and those conversations brings the best and makes it even better. Gosh, conferences are so nerve wracking, though. Like you have your lanyard, you have stale hotel coffee. Usually you have your pile of brand new business cards and you're just you're nervously trying to figure out who do I even hand it to? Where do I sit? Like, how do you bring people together to have organic networking conversations? That is so true. When you go to a conference, half of the reason you go is, yes, to hear about the speakers. And we've got great speakers. But Another half of the reason you go to a conference is to network with people. And it is so awkward, especially since we're coming back from COVID. How do we get back into that and talking to strangers, for goodness sakes? So we're going to make that easy. We're actually doing guided networking events to help you introduce yourself to those peers. So taking the pressure off, it's going to be fantastic. So to see those incredible keynotes and to be part of those conversations in Madison, get your tickets today to Scrum Day 2023. And when you do, thank them for sponsoring CityCast Madison. Early bird pricing of $595 is available through August 10th. To see their schedule and learn more about the speakers, visit www.scrumday.org. Mary Iqbal, thank you so much for coming on CityCast Madison. We're looking forward to seeing you all at Scrum Day. Thank you so much. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Some exciting news for one of Madison's most popular pan-Asian restaurants, Ahan. Ahan's currently located in the Burr Oak music venue over on Winnebago, and it's making a move. The restaurant's popularity means they need a larger place. They'll take over the old Eldorado grill spot on Willie Street. And this Sunday marks the beginning of Madison Black Restaurant Week. All week long, there will be specials and features from more than 35 Black-owned restaurants, food carts, caterers, and more. Hey, you like Black, African, Caribbean cuisine? Now's your moment. Get at it and celebrate our Black restaurant tours. We'll toss a link for more details in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with 
the cook in your life. You know, the one that shares their cooking secrets with you. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Ciao.